Welcome today. So glad to have you with us, wherever you are tuning in from. Uh, If you would, just in the comments, go ahead, share with us what you're having for brunch today. Welcome you back again to Brunch Church. Uh, We're going into the series part two uh, this week of Warrior. So if I got any warriors out there, uh, you can throw, I don't know if they got spears or if they've got swords in the emojis, but go ahead, throw that in, throw some fire uh, emojis. Let's get into the word of God today and look at what he has to say to us about how we become warriors in the process. First Samuel chapter 14, we're actually going to read a long section of scripture. So you can grab your Bible, whether that's a digital or whether that's a paper Bible. But join us at 1 Samuel 14, verse 1. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Abijah, Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was a son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. So this is a covert operation. You with me on that? Okay. So what happens next is this. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sinna. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said, go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will wait where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outpost and raiding parties and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Well, Father, today, as we look into this big idea of the warrior within, I ask that you would open our minds, that you would open our hearts, that we would have open ears to receive your word for us. I ask that you'll 
lift confusion out of people's lives today. And that they'll have an incredible sense of clarity in purpose, in strength, in understanding that you have called them and you have sent them into this moment. And so we press in, we step in to your word and receive it with faith and with courage today. In Jesus' name, amen. The warrior within, the greater pursuits. Last week we talked about how a warrior rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and expects the greater reward. This week, we're shifting over into a new lane. And instead of focusing on the things that are happening outside, we're moving into what's happening inside. The warrior is not so much an external thing. It's an internal thing. True, authentic strength isn't a flex that everyone can see, but it's something that happens on the inside. And so what we want to do today is to embrace what God has placed within us and step into part of the heartbeat of what it means to be a warrior. Part of what it means to be a warrior going even further into the rejecting passivity mindset is this. A warrior is one who is known for the greater pursuit. A warrior is known for the greater pursuit. Now, in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God's warriors live from a place of faith. They live from a place of faith. Very simple, very basic. Let's not overcomplicate it. God's warriors live from a place of faith. And so our focus as we go forward in this process is going to be to grow in faith, to grow in the things that God calls us to do because faith without deeds is dead. And so we want to live a life of faith. We want to live a life of courage. We want to step out into the greater pursuits. And in 1 Samuel 14, verse one, just to set this up, Saul has an opportunity in 1 Samuel to go and attack the Philistines, but instead, that's not what's happening. Saul at the time, the king of Israel, is not going in the uh, direction of attack, but instead he's in quite a different direction. He's sitting, he's passive. And out of that one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Why did he not tell his father? Because godly pursuit listens to the voice of God, not man. So if you're looking for someone around you to validate what God is calling you to do, you're going in the wrong order. All you need is the voice of God in your life. All you need is the word of God in your life. All you need is what God has told you to do. And you step into that. You step in with faith. And even if there sometimes aren't explicit instructions of do this or do that, it's better to operate from a mindset, from a place of 
faith, believing that God can and that he will work in your life. Godly pursuit, listen to the voice of God, not man. Now, in verse two and three, it says, Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an, e- e- who was wearing an ephod. So today's message, we're going to go through a little bit more of some of the history of what was happening at that time. The ephod is the representation of the presence of God. That's what the ephod is. And so when the ephod is with them, you would have a sense that they would have a great confidence. You would have a belief that Saul would understand that with the presence of God, well, there's, a, there's an ability to walk with courage. There's an ability to walk with faith. There's an ability to take a risk. There's an ability to engage in battle. There's a focus and a direction. Like this is what happens when you actually step in with faith, knowing that the presence of God is with you. You can have the presence of God though. This is what what we learned from, from Saul. You can have the presence of God and still be passive. I think this happens a lot of times for, for Christians. As if the only thing that God saved us to do is to sing and to sit. Like God has more for you than this. God wants all of your life to be a reflection, to be something that's pointing glory to him. And he wants you to step in with a greater pursuit into the things of faith, into the things of God with purpose and in direction of knowing I'm going somewhere. I'm not just camping out in fear under a tree because I'm concerned about what could happen. Instead, I'm stepping in in faith, believing that God is going to work on my behalf. Jonathan operates with the mindset of faith. He operates with a perspective of, we have a God who is with us. And if God is with us, then there are possibilities in the process. Now, what happens for Jonathan, I just want to continue to to break this down verse by, by verse as we go. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sinna. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. As I was looking at this passage again, um, I, I realized that in the great pursuits, which Jonathan is in a great pursuit at this point, Erwin McManus would call this seizing your divine moment. For Jonathan, there's a thing that's happening in his life. There's a understanding that he has that there's going to be resistance along the way. And I think sometimes in our pursuits, we expect that things are going to come to us easily. We expect that life is just going to, you know, quickly iron out in front of us. We have the assumptions that it won't be as difficult as we're expecting. But what Jonathan sees when they're going to engage this Philistine outpost is that there are cliffs on both sides. And what's great is that there are always cliffs in the greater pursuits. So if you realize that you have to go a long ways down and then you have to 
climb a long ways up, you might just be in a greater pursuit. You might just be doing that thing that God is calling you to do. We're talking about some cliffs, some crags that were sharp, that were difficult to climb down, that were difficult to climb up. And just in case you're, you're wondering, at the base, you're in a valley and you're wide open. Like it's, it, it's so easy for your enemy to take shots at you. You're not coming from a place of strength. You're coming from a place of weakness. That's what usually it feels like in a great pursuit of life. The great pursuits are the ones that require more of you. The great pursuits are the ones that make you step out in faith. The great pursuits are the ones that you feel a little bit anxious about. It's why when you talk to, you know, one of my friends uh, texted me last week. He said, what are you doing on Sunday night? I said, uh, you know, I got a few friends coming over. We're, we're going to have waffles, watch some Harry Potter. Uh, he says to, to me in this moment, he says, uh, I got something big coming tonight. What you got going? I'm going to propose tonight. I don't remember a time when a guy ever felt totally peaceful before proposing. It was the great pursuit as he was stepping out saying, I want more than where we are. I want forever with you. Like it's the great pursuit that's rewarded in life. And it's the great pursuits that require risk. It's the great pursuits that, you know, even if we hype ourselves up and even if we are, you know, bumping chest with each other guys and we're saying we got this and everything's gonna be good. There's still that thing on the inside. It's the great pursuit that creates a sense of, questioning inside of us sometimes as well. And knowing that the great pursuit has cliffs, cliffs that are connected into the process. You got some cliffs that you have to engage with because it's not gonna be easy in the greater pursuit. But I believe that since you are a warrior that God has called, you're more than willing and you're excited and engaged at the idea of taking on those cliffs. There are always cliffs in the greater pursuits. My friend got engaged. She said yes, by the way, if you're wondering. This is my favorite part right in here, verse six. If you haven't gotten anything, you gotta get this today. Like if you walk away with one thing, like this is it right here. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. It's a step forward. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. The greater pursuits begin with perhaps. It's like Jonathan is saying this, I'd rather fail at doing something than succeed at doing nothing. I don't know what's going to happen on the other side. I actually don't know. I wish I knew, but I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have it all figured out. I wish I had it figured out because I like to know what's going to happen on the other side, but I don't have it figured out. All I have is perhaps, and perhaps is where faith lives. Perhaps is the thing that 
God calls you to because it's not certain. God doesn't call you to certainty in life. He calls you into uncertainty. He calls you to walk into the into chaos. This is why God consistently shows up uh, in storms. Jesus doesn't have them sail away from a storm. He's good with them sailing right into it. Why? Because it's in the storm that your faith is engaged. If your life is simple and easy, you're missing the gritty nature of what God wants for you. He wants more for you. He's calling you a warrior and warriors live in the zone of perhaps. I don't know if it's gonna work. My friend Rodney stepped out in faith, decided that they were gonna plant a church. They planted a a church that kept working, kept looking for different opportunities, different places. They didn't have it all figured out. In fact, the the place that they were planning on working, the place that they were planning on on filming uh, all of their messages in, in the future, creating this beautiful church to engage a local community in, they didn't get that place. But he kept stepping forward in perhaps. Man, when you step in with perhaps, it opens a big door for God to work in the process. But when you try to live with control, you're not inviting God into the opportunity. You got to step in with perhaps and watch what he does in and through you. Something comes alive within you in perhaps. You know, my friend Kyler, Kyler, I know you're, you're watching right now and I love what you're doing with, with contact. Kyler is famous among my friends for saying this, if you're not doing something, you're not doing anything. Said it to us one day, if you're not doing something, you're not doing anything. We all laughed, but actually it's pretty deep. And it's pretty profound. Because faith isn't just about singing and sitting. Faith is about the greater pursuit. Faith is about stepping out into something and watching God work on your behalf. Something comes alive within you in perhaps, and when you think about that thing, you know what I'm talking about, that thing that's stirring up within you, like your perhaps, like what if I did this? Two things stir up, two things. The first is this. The first is anxiety. That's your flesh talking because it's stepping into a situation that's outside of your control. Now I'm getting a little bit too close right now because I'm like getting into some of your headspace. This is what keeps you up late at night and doesn't allow you to sleep. You don't have to type amen in the chat right, right now. Is the what if and I've been thinking about, and I've been dreaming about, and I've been praying about. But it's just dreaming and praying and wondering. There's another side to it. Because that area of perhaps, when it only lives there, is usually occupied almost exclusively by anxiety. Sure, there's the excitement to it, but there's the fear of what could go wrong. Perhaps will invite your anxiety, but perhaps will also invite your faith. Perhaps will invite you to step in with confidence instead of doubt. 
Because you know that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. That he wants you to seek him. And that without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's why Teddy Roosevelt famously said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. It's for those who want to dare greatly. Over the past few years, the space that I hold in my life for critics continues to get smaller (laughs) because critics will always tell you how they would do it better, but you'll notice that they're actually the ones who aren't doing it, but they have a lot to say about how they would do it if they were doing it and that you're not qualified and that you're not good enough and that you don't have what it takes and that you're not smart enough, that you're not strong enough, that you're, sometimes it's not the critics outside. Sometimes it's the critics inside. It's the critic that says, you can't, you won't be able to, you'll crumble under pressure. When it gets difficult, that's when you're going to break. You're not going to be one that God works for in the mighty ways that you see him work in the Bible. That's not going to be your experience. That's their experience. You you don't have what it takes. That internal critic, those external critics, wherever it's coming from, I'm inviting you to come back and live in the wonderful bliss of joy in God. The, The beautiful sense of wonder and majesty of not knowing, of not having it figured out and saying, perhaps like this could go really, really bad. As a friend of mine said to me recently, and he's a guy that anytime my life feels stressful, I I, I just feel like, like calling him because his problems are so big. Like he doesn't have a way out of them. There's not a man-made way. So he walked in the other day. He said, I am perfectly positioned right now for a miracle. What if you lived your life in such a way, so full of risk that you understood, I am positioning myself time and again for a miracle. This is the sense of adventure and purpose that causes William Wallace to say, I'm going to pick a fight. It's Gimli saying, certainty of death, small chance of success. What are we waiting for? 
Once again, I'd rather fail at doing something than succeed at doing nothing. Something comes alive with you and me in the space of perhaps. Faith is confidence in the perhaps. It's confidence. I believe God will work. And even if he doesn't work in the way I'm expecting, he's going to continue to work things for my good. So I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in faith. I'm giving myself to the greater pursuits. And the greater pursuits will require your heart and soul. And because of that, they're better together. That's why verse seven, this is, this is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Verses six and seven of 1 Samuel 14 Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said, go ahead, I am with you heart and soul. We don't know the armor bearer's name. I like that about it. But you don't have to know his name to know his impact. This is where the story gets bigger than than you and I. It's not about us in the process. It's about a story bigger than us. You know what would be really amazing in life? Like to look back on, on everything and realize you were an armor bearer. This is for some people who are like, hey, you know what? I don't really have the big dream or the big vision, but man, I just want to be part of taking on the enemy. If there's a fight, I'm walking into it. Just give me a call. I'm with you heart and soul. I'm in. If you need something, call me. Like I'm with you and I'm not just kind of with you. I'm heart and soul in. Life is better, heart and soul in. I remember my, my dad used to say, Either jump in with both feet or get out. You don't want to be one foot in and one foot out. Heart and soul is all that you are, all that you have. I am in on this. Goes back to Deuteronomy chapter six. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, with all of it. That's how it actually goes. With all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. It's all. And God's inviting us to go all in with him, to live a life of risk, to live a life of courage, to live a life of faith. Just ask you today, if God answered all your prayers that you're praying right now, like how much would actually be different know what I'm saying? Like how much in the world would actually be different? Would it just be your world or would it be the world? Would it just be your territory or would it be this bigger thing that God's doing? Like if, if, if God were to come through on the things that you're praying about, how big are your prayers? Like, are you believing God for more? Are you asking him for more right now? In Psalm Uh, Psalm 62, verse five, you are my expectation, God. (laughs) My expectation is from you. I'm looking to you. I'm living with a big expectation and I'm going to have big dreams and big prayers and I'm gonna go into big pursuits because I believe I've got a big God and I wanna see him work. Well, in verse eight, Jonathan said, come on then, We will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. The greater pursuits 
turn intentions into initiation. Life doesn't reward your intentions. It rewards your actions. And so for all of the desire for us to be intentional, for us to be purposeful, intentions without action don't lead us into the future that we want. We just continue into a circle and a cycle of frustration, of, of frustration. And when your intentions are activated, long-term it leads you into cynicism because all it ends up being are ideas and talk. I've been there a lot in my life. In fact, I've got a friend from, from college. He and I joke about college days and shortly after the things that we talked about. We got some big plans. Okay, that's great. What are you doing with your big plans? Step into it. Do the thing that's gonna make you a little bit anxious. Do the thing that's actually gonna make you rely on God. Do the thing that's making you step out in courage. Do the thing that makes you really, really pray. Do the thing that's gonna make your heart shake a little bit. Do the thing in a greater pursuit of God, in a greater pursuit of him. And ultimately what this is about with Jonathan is driving the enemy out of kingdom territory. It's to increase the reign of God's the reign of God on earth and to see more places on earth as they are in heaven. The greater pursuits come from a belief God did not make us risk-free, but free to risk. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan, this is verse 12, the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan in his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, that was the sign, Remember? That's the sign. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. The greater pursuits come from a belief. God did not make us risk-free, but free to risk. This is where a lot of people live. I just, I want to do it, but I just don't know if God's calling me to it. Three months later, I want to do it, but I just don't know if God's calling me to it. I feel like I'm, I might mess it up. I'm probably going to, do it wrong. Then I'll find out that God wasn't for me. Wait, what? God is working in all things. Romans eight twenty eight still says that. God is working in all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Faith requires risk. You can't experience what God has for you by staying where you are right now. You have to step forward and seek him. So if you're in a situation where you're going, man, like I've had these ideas and these dreams and this belief in God and a what if, like I wanna step out and serve you in these ways. And it doesn't have to be some huge extravagant way. You don't have to be trying to take on another nation, but there's something in you that God wants to activate to unlock the potential inside of you, to see you step out in faith and live in a place of purpose to live in a greater pursuit in life. And the greater pursuits come with a greater, the, the greater pursuits come with a greater reward, which is why we are not made 
risk-free, but free to risk. There's not a time in Jesus' ministry when he gets upset with a person for stepping out in faith. Isn't that great? Like there's actually kind of some wiggle room to do it wrong. Like Jesus doesn't take Peter out of the gospels because he started to sink once he stepped on the water. People are always like, oh man, Peter is like, oh, doubt, you know, so much double-mindedness and, you know, Peter's this and that. Nobody else was stepping out on the water. Like, do you get it? Jesus pulled him up and all he did was correct his faith. All he did is correct his faith. He wants you to step out. My friend Gary says, if there's a 1% chance God is calling you to do it, you have to do it. 99% chance he's not. If there's 1% that he's calling you to do it, do it. Because now you're stepping out and saying, hey, I'm really believing that you're gonna show up in this. This is gonna be your story, not mine when it goes well. This is gonna show how powerful you are, not how great I am. The greater pursuits recognize God moved after they acted, not before. Verse 15, then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outpost and raiding parties and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. The greater pursuits recognize that God moved after they acted, not before. So if you want to position yourself for a greater pursuit, understand that God moves often after the action, not before Once again, this is working against what we want to do with our lives where we want to have it all laid out in front of us and be able to say, okay, I like that, I like that, and God, thank you because you've answered that prayer seven years in advance and I know what's going to happen as we go along so I don't have to worry about it. Jonathan and his armor bearer didn't know what was going to happen. They just said, that's our sign. We're going to move up the hill. We're going to take them on. And we only had one sword. There was only one sword in, in the camp. So when Jonathan initiated battle, they knocked down another sword for his armor bearer. And then they went after it. But it wasn't like this big victory wasn't just about them. It was that after they had initiated it, after they had stepped into the greater pursuit, then God sends a panic. I think a lot of us would rather have God send a panic before. (laughs) But if God sent a panic before, then you wouldn't be able to experience faith and grow in who he wants you to become in the process. That's why he gives you an opportunity to step out in faith. That's why God is interested in you growing. That's why God is saying, I'm excited when you step out. And yeah, like you're gonna get it wrong sometimes, but get back up again and keep walking and acting and living in authentic faith. The one that makes you move forward even when you don't feel like you can. Now, when, when I talk to, to people about an action-oriented God who wants us to be action-oriented, People often bring up to me Exodus 14 because this is a famous verse, verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm. This is when the people of Israel, this is before Saul and Jonathan, this is 
as they're leaving Egypt. They've got the chariots coming up behind them. They've got the Red Sea in front of them. The people are losing their minds. And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And that's the one that a lot of times ends up like on, you know, picture frames in people's home. (laughs) The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Like, let's just stay right here. We don't have to do anything. God's got this whole thing taken care of. So if it's okay, let's just be still. What I want us to to do today is let's just work on being still. What we want to do is be the people who are just consistently still. We'll just wait. And if we wait on God, we'll just keep waiting. And eventually like he'll make it happen. But for some reason in the frame, that picture frame that goes up on people's walls, they just don't include the next verses, which seem like the, like the more important verses because these are the verses when the Lord speaks. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. No, actually, you're not going to stay still. I need you to step in. I'm calling you to move. I gave you a staff to lead these people. Stretch it out. God doesn't ask you what's not in your hand. He asks you to to use what's in your hand. Jonathan and his armor bearer, one sword. What are we doing? We got one sword in hand, but we're gonna go take on these Philistines. That's the battle plan today. We're stepping out with what we have, not with what we don't have. We're trusting that God's going to work in the process. We don't know how it's gonna work, but we know that we would rather fail at doing something than succeed at doing nothing. So we're going to be obedient to the God who says, go. That's what the great commission is all about with Jesus saying, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. He didn't say stay. He said, go, go. It's about action. It's about doing. Well, I'm sitting at home during all of this time. Find something to do. Write a note, make a call, send a text, Build somebody up, invite somebody into a watch party, share something with somebody, share a verse, pray for somebody, step out, do something. And watch how God works on your behalf. Watch how God works. Watch what he does when you step out. The panic happened after, after they acted, not not before. Jonathan says something so profound in 1 Samuel 14, verse 6. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. For some of you, it's not the move into doing all of these other things with God. It's actually coming to God. (laughs) Coming to receive Salvation. Jonathan knew that he served, that he lived as a warrior under the God of salvation. But for some of you, you're fighting on the wrong team. You know that you're working against God. You're stepping out away from God and God's inviting you to himself. 
You're like, man, I've messed my life up so many times. God wouldn't be interested in me. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Jesus came to this earth out of a great pursuit. It's the great pursuit of heaven that caused him to go to a cross. He did not die for everyone in the history of the world, but you. Your sin is not too great for him. He's better at forgiving than you are at sinning. That's why when he died on the cross, his blood was spilled for all time. That if you would receive him and believe in him, that you would experience salvation in him, that you have a savior who is here for you. And it's not looking to the left or to the right, but it's coming to him to say, Jesus, you're the one who can do this in my life. You're the one who can save me. I can't save me. I wreck my life, but I know you can do it. And so I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to surrender my heart, my life to you. I'm going to experience all that you have for me. Jesus, I want to receive you today. You step forward in faith with him. Well, in Psalm 20, as we wrap up today, I want to read this over you as a blessing. Because there's a sense that's happening in our lives right now of a greater pursuit And so I read these verses over you. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. God has called you to a great life. He's called you to be a warrior and he's called you to be one who lives with a pursuit of him and a pursuit of finding him in all that you do. Let's pray. So Father, we ask that you would help us become warriors, become the people that you've called us to be. Not just settle and not just sit, but to step forward in faith and to live a life of courage, to live a life of risk and to step out and experience you in all of this. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.